I want to say again that my wife and I are very, very, very happy to have been invited. We really do appreciate it, and we've really enjoyed our time. And uh, you folks really know how to make outsiders feel welcome. And we just really appreciate not only being here, but renewing some friendships, and we feel like others have even begun. But uh, I, I want to say this also. You know, we live, and some of you may be more aware, some of you not as much, but, you know, we're living in changing times, critical times. And uh, I, I want to say to those of you churches that come together, and I, I'm sure this camp isn't all you come together for. This may be one of the major things that you do, but I'm sure you do other things. Uh, you really, you, you may not think so, but, uh, or you may take it for granted, rather, is what I might say, but you really have a good thing going. I want you to know you really have a good thing going. Good fellowship, good preaching, good getting together, good leadership. It, it's, it's good. It's good what you've got. And it's, you're going to realize in time how blessed you are to have what you have. And to know that this camp has gone 29 years and if the Lord tarries, probably 30 years. Uh, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. And young people, you're far ahead, far ahead uh, in life, especially in having a good, stable church and not just your local church, though that's most important and paramount, but having good fellowship, good friends, and, and all of that. that, that it's, a, it's a blessing to be here and see all this and to be with all of you. And... Uh, I want to say, Brother, Brother Townley has preached this week tremendously. But today, today was just a pocket full of gold. I mean, that, Brother Townley, that was tremendous. I mean, th that was tremendous. And uh, that's right. And um, uh, I just don't think anyone should go into leadership or especially the ministry without listening to that and I'm gonna make sure I'm trying to get brother Townley out there to preach it in my church but I'm sure gonna take that audio home and uh, pass it around that was just tremendous but anyway and sister Jones I know it's already been said but I really appreciate what sister Jones has done this week that's right that's right and I hope you don't take as disparaging being called a funky white girl. I have that. <laughs> they call her funky. They call me chunky. And here we are. I guess Brother Townley's hunky. Hunky, chunky, and funky. So <laughs> I've learned that when you're fat, you can't run from a fight. So you be friendly to everybody. <laughs> But I gave you a scripture. Now I've got scripture for it. Psalm 22, what? 29. They that be fat upon the earth shall eat in worship. Hallelujah. Well, do you think we can do it one more time? Hallelujah. You're going to preach with me. Hallelujah. Let's stand. We're going to go to John 18 and Acts 17. John 18 and Acts 17. And uh, now I haven't been preaching long that I, I, I've been watching the time. 
And I haven't been preaching long, and I don't plan on it tonight either. So let's just go ahead and get rolling. What do you say? John 18, Jesus is before Pilate, about to go to his crucifixion. That's the setting of what we're reading here. So let's go to verse 33. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. And then he goes on. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Acts 17. Acts 17, verse 1. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. Some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks a great multitude, and of the chief women not a few. But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and set all the city on an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren under the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. <clears throat> and I remind you, Jesus said, For this cause, to this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world. And I want to preach just for a little bit tonight. I want to preach. I want everybody, I want you to make this personal. I want to preach, I am a cause I am a cause hallelujah let's say it with me say I am a cause praise God you may be seated now I want you to think about Jesus standing before Pilate here in his rough clothes he's a carpenter at least you know on the surface and he's standing before Pilate and Pilate's talking to him about kings and kingdoms and he said, are you a king? And Jesus is uh, playing cat and mouse with him a little bit, not being always direct and just, just messing with him a little bit, but Pilate's not getting it. But he's standing there alone, no royal robes. He's standing there, no entourage. There's, there, there, there's not this great company assembled outside. He's standing there alone. And the best he had done was 12 men a little while before this in the garden, scared spitless, running, and now one of them's <laughs> at the fire out in the courtyard cussing up and down that he doesn't know Jesus. And here stands Jesus. It'd be like me standing in front of 
President Obama. <laughs> Yo, Barry. <laughs> My kingdom is not of this world. And he'd be looking at me. But in the going back and forth, there's something that's going on that Pilate isn't even aware of. He said, Pilate, my kingdom isn't of this world. Pilate, you're caught up in the politics. You're caught up in what's going on now. You're caught up in the material world around you that you can see. You're caught up in Rome's way of doing things. You're caught up in what is going on right now. But Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Hey, Pilate, there's a lot going on here that you know nothing of. Jesus stands there alone with no appearance of power, no appearance of status, and yet he declares with great certainty and with great clarity, Jesus said, to this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world. He was already defined. It didn't matter what Pilate thought. It didn't matter what Pilate understood or misunderstood. It didn't matter who wasn't there. It didn't matter what else was going on or what the circumstances were. He wasn't shackled to this world's power structure. He wasn't trying to find himself. He wasn't grasping in anxiety and trying to determine who he was and what he was about. I'm going to tell you something. There's so much angst in this generation trying to find identity, trying to determine who they are. If you'll just wear this or if you'll just act like that or if you just hang out with them or if you just uh, uh, listen to this kind of music or do this kind of thing or, or have this kind of a culture then you'll really fit in. Uh, I'm going to tell you something. I believe that I'm amongst a group of apostolic young people who are not having an identity crisis. Uh, I believe I'm in the midst uh, of a bunch of young ladies uh, and young men uh, and, and, and you know for what cause uh, you were born. Uh, we are not defined uh, by this world. Uh, we will not have our destiny determined for us for it is already written in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 24 it said by faith Moses when he was come to years refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter by faith he forsook Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king for he endured as seeing him who is invisible hey Pharaoh go ahead and try to kill off all those Hebrew baby boys but we're going to march out of here three million strong because it's not about your kingdom it's not about what you got going on it's not about your system there's a bunch of stuff going on he said he endured as seeing him who is invisible young people there's a place in the spirit we've got to tap into when we realize this world is not my home I'm just a passing through Pilate, you don't get it. Hollywood, you, you don't understand. We live in a world. We live according to a system that's unseen by the faithless. In Romans chapter 12, he said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want you to think about two words with me just a moment. First of all, the word is absorb. Absorb. 
you just soak up whatever's around you. You take a sponge, a paper towel, a towel or whatever, you throw it in water, spilled Kool-Aid, whatever it might be, and it's going to soak it up. It's going to absorb. Whatever's around is what's going to soak up. I want you to think of another word called permeate. Permeate is the opposite of absorb. Permeate means to spread through and to penetrate. Hear me, Legacy Youth Camp. We are not sponges. We are fire hoses. We are not sitting there soaking up what's around us. We do not absorb. We permeate. I know the devil tries to make us feel weak and tries to make us feel like we're just a bunch of outsiders. But I'm going to tell you, we are inside the kingdom of God. And when I look around here tonight and see these nicely dressed, holy and modest young ladies and young men, I understand that I'm among people that are not sponges. They're not soaking up. They're not like a bunch of other churches and a bunch of other so-called apostolics that are trying to soak up as much as they can. But I'm standing among young men and young ladies that are fire hoses. You permeate. You're pushing out. You've got more pressure on the inside than what's on the outside because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I see a bunch of apostolic young people in this house tonight that have learned it's going out. It's not coming in. We have an advantage as the people of God. We do not live, we do not live according to the present trying to predict what the future holds. We live, we live in the apostolic world so much that sometimes we fail to appreciate how great this lifestyle is. We fail. I do too. I'm not condescending to anyone here tonight. We forget how great the church is. We forget how well the church is set up. Acts 17, 26 said, and hath made of one blood all nations. Paul is talking in Mars Hill and says, for to dwell on all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. In Hebrews 6 and 5, he said, have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. In Romans 4, he said, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. We've got to understand, folks, we're not trying to figure out what's going on. We know what's happening. We know how this all ramps up. We know how this all ends. We know that political parties and civilizations are going to come and go, but the church is going to rock on. The church is going to stand through it all. When everything is said and done, the church is going to be the last thing standing. The church is going to be the only thing called out of here. We live. We're not trying to figure out what's happening. We know what's happening. We know what's going on. We know what is taking place. We know who's in control. And so that dictates how we behave now. That dictates what we do now. That's why we don't get all wrapped up in this world because we're living in another world. We're living in another time if you please. We go out into the future and bring it back and start living according to the plan of God right now. Yeah. 
He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Our destiny is ordained by the word of God. Our future is ordained by the purpose of God. Now let me back up just a moment. Jesus said, to this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world. Now we read in Acts 17, in Thessalonica, the church was stirring up a little dust. They were getting some things going. Fact is, the Bible says that the whole city was in an uproar. And they said of them, they didn't say it of themselves. Those watching what was going on, they said of it, these that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. They were just some common folks having some uncommon revival. Hallelujah. They were just people like you. They, they had jobs. They had school. They had pressures. They, they, they had just the ebb and flow of life like all of us go through. They, some of them were highly educated like Paul. Others were not. They were like Peter. They just weren't, they, they, they just weren't that highly educated. They came from all walks of life. Some of them had pedigrees among the Jews and some of them did not. Some of them had been raised as God fearing people all their lives and some had not but there was one thing they had in common they were tapped into apostolic power they were tapped into apostolic revival they were not just sitting around and wondering if something was going to happen they were in the middle of what was happening they were in the middle of what was going on now I want to examine a minute the the, the Cause and effect principle. All of us know the basic premise that there is a relationship between two things when one thing, the cause, makes something else, which is the effect, happen. So the cause is what brings about the effect. In April of 1963, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., we all know that he was a monumental figure in the civil rights movement, he wrote a letter from a jail in, in Birmingham, Alabama. And uh, it, it, you, you can look it up online. It's called Letter from a Birmingham Jail. Very, very important document. But he was jailed on charges of disturbing the peace. It was being a public nuisance and, and, and all that. Now, looking back in history, we understand a lot of times they just use some of these things because racism was still very prevalent and uh, they, were, they were just trying to find a, a legal means, if you, if you please, to just shut him up. Now here's the curious thing. The reason why he was writing this letter was not because he was in jail protesting being in jail. He understood that a lot of his protests, a lot of his demonstrations, which were peaceful, they, they weren't about violent demonstration, but they would get out in the streets when the authorities told them not to. They'd march when they thought, but they weren't firing off weapons, taking people hostage and all that kind of thing. They would just march. A lot of times they would sing songs, preach a message, whatever. But he was writing this letter not because he was trying to win sympathy for being in jail. 
What it was, it was, the letter was a response to fellow ministers who actually were supposed to be on his side, and on the surface they agreed with Dr. King that bigotry against blacks, they, and these ministers, they were a mixture of white and black, whatever. And, but they agreed with him on the surface that, black, uh, that, that bigotry needed to be abolished, uh, but nevertheless, they did not care for his tactic of peaceful, nonviolent demonstration. They didn't like it. And so they were starting to speak against Dr. King. They were actually, they would get around some of his followers. They would have some of their meetings, whatever. And they, they would say, you know, we, we feel like uh, Dr. King is actually hurting our cause. We feel like what he is doing is, is actually setting us back. We're not really making progress. And a, in fact, they were actually kind of ginning up the idea that he was part of the problem. It's actually hindering what they were trying to do. <clears throat> and now this is where the letter comes in called Letter from a Birmingham Jail, and he responds to their charge against him. And uh, in the letter, he made a point. Now, the letter's very long, but I lifted just a little bit out of there. And Martin Luther King Jr., he spoke of the role <clears throat> that Christians must take on in bringing about righteousness to a nation. I'm not talking about political things. I'm, I'm not making that point tonight. But he told those ministers, he wrote to them, and he said this. He said, we can either be, we've got two options, gentlemen. He said, we can either be a thermometer and make a record or a thermostat and make a change. Is everybody listening to me? If I had a thermometer with me right now, I could tell you the temperature in this building right now. I probably couldn't tell you humidity because the numbers don't go up that high, but I could tell you the temperature in this room. But if we walk over to the thermostat on the wall, it will actually change the climate in this place. It's not just going to tell you what's here. It's going to change what's here. Come on now. I need somebody to get on a ride with me. We have a choice. Are we going to record what happens or are we going to cause something to happen? What are we going to do? What are we going to be? Are we going to wait until Sister Jones gets the service cranking or are we going to get it cranking? Are we going to talk about about how bad it is at home are we going to talk about how we're going to change it at home are we going to talk about how much we need revival are we going to turn on the thermostat and make revival happen Oh, come on, I need somebody to help me. You can see them uh, in Thessalonica in Acts chapter 17. Uh, how those inhabitants, uh, how the citizens uh, of that city would have loved for the church uh, to just sit there and talk about the idolatry and talk about the immorality and talk about how bad it was uh, out there in Thessalonica. That would have been fine with them, but they were doing more than that. They were changing people's minds. Uh, they were changing people's hearts. Uh, you know, those Looney Tune Pentecostals, uh, they're here now. These that have turned the world uh, upside down, uh, now they're in our city, and they've got their loony doctrine going, and they've got their fanaticism going. Uh, uh huh. Wouldn't they like it? Wouldn't they just love uh, for us to be thermometers, uh, just to talk about how bad it is, just to complain and whine and furrow our brow and worry and talk about what's happening? Uh, sorry, honey, I am not going to wring my hands and wonder if somebody is going to do something. I'm somebody and I'm going to do something. 
and I'm looking for a young man and I'm looking for a young lady, at least one uh, from every youth group that realizes I am not going to be a record. I'm going to be a cause. I am not uh, going to talk about what's going on. I'm going to change what's going on. I feel like somebody's getting a revelation of what I'm talking about right now. Jesus stood there before Pilate and said, Hey, Pilate, honey, you don't understand what's going on, friend. For this cause was I born. And to this end came I into the world. Hear me, apostolics. You were born again. Not so you could show up at church and talk in tongues on Sunday night. You were born to be a world changer. You were born to be a school changer. You were born to win people off of your job. You were born to make a difference Woo, come on I say bring on the revolution Daniel said it like this the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits they shall do bold and daring acts there's a reason why it's called the book of acts not the book of suggestions not the book of complaints not the book of church history it's called the book of acts it's called the book of getting things done it's called the book of turning things around it's called the book of deeds look at what we're doing hey the Pentecost is not about a museum of how things used to be it's about what we're doing right now thank God for the book of Acts chapter 2 but I want to know who's going to write the next chapter of Acts I want to know who's going to step out I want to know who's going to write Acts chapter 29 Woo! come on right now I want us to close our eyes just a minute. Let this sink in. I want us to seek the Lord here just a minute and let this sink in. I want you to, I don't mean it in a conceited way. I don't mean it in a selfish way. I don't mean it like that. But I want some of us to understand I am a cause. I want you to put your hand on your chest right now and say, I am a cause. He's talking to me. I am a cause. Fact is, let me say something. I wanted to preach this one whole night, but Holy Ghost took over one night. And young people, there's something that's burning in my heart. I'm going to preach this a little bit more. You might as well just stay up here. It's not going to be that much longer. But hear me. There's something burning in my heart. I believe in having good church. I believe in having good camps, and you guys have excellent. It just doesn't get better. But hear me, there's a burden in my heart to have, I'm just going to say it, to be soul winners. Soul winners. We need another generation of soul winners. We need some young men and young women that say, you know what? Uh, I've got my eyes on the fields that are white already under harvest. Uh, I don't know how many youth groups are here, Brother Bass, about how many youth groups are here. 
probably about 15 youth groups. Let's do this. Every youth group, every youth group, I want you to make a commitment. Next year at Legacy, if the Lord tarries, every youth group is going to bring at least one brand new young person. One brand new young person. And backsliders are great, but I'm talking about a brand new young person. Somebody off the streets. Somebody that was on dope. Somebody that was living in perversion. Some, I'm telling you, let's get a spirit of evangelism. Let's get a spirit of soul winning. Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look into the fields for they are white already unto harvest. Hey, a harvest isn't about sitting here and waiting for the wheat to come in. You got to get out there. He said, pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth what into his harvest? Labors. Takes some work. Takes getting out of our comfort zone. Told our young people at home, we have Friday nights for you all the time, whether it's a youth service or some kind of youth event or whatever. So we're going to start taking Friday nights, and it's not about you. We're not going to spend another extra Friday night trying to pray you through or keep you prayed through. We're going to start spending some Friday nights. We're going to go downtown to the farmer's market where everybody is on Thursdays. And we're going to pass out some tracts. And we're going to try to teach a Bible study. We're going to try to get somebody to come to church. Hallelujah. Hear me, friend. There's a new revelation of evangelism and revival and soul winning that needs to be born in us, that needs to come over us. We've got to realize I am a cause. Let me give you some names from the Bible. These are some individuals. The word of God, Shemua, not the whale, Shaphat, Egal, Paltai, Gadiel, Gadai, Amiel, Sether, Nabi, Jewel. Anybody recognize these names? Anybody ever heard about the exploits of Jewel, the great deeds of Shaphat, the exploits of Gadiel. No. But if I had two more names, all of a sudden you'll guess who the other were. If all of a sudden I say Joshua and Caleb, then the other names become clear, you see. Those first ten names were the ones who saw themselves compared to giants. They were the ones who saw the walled cities. They were the ones who saw the fierce inhabitants of the land. But Joshua and Caleb were the ones who saw themselves empowered by God. They saw themselves as conquerors. They saw themselves as God's people, not those that run from giants. They saw themselves as the people of Jehovah. They saw that land as God's land. They saw that territory as God's promise. There's giants out there. I'm going to tell you what, there's giants in here too. There's giant killers in here. Uh-huh. Hey, where, you got that scripture, brother? Somebody hand him a microphone. That's a microphone. I want you to read Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now listen to this. Go ahead, brother. Now unto him unto that him. is able. Mm-hmm. To do exceedingly, okay, abundantly, abundantly, above, above all that we ask or think, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh within. The power that worketh where? 
Within. The power of the work is where? Within. The power of the work is where? Within. Hear me, folks. You are a cause. I want revival in my city. You're a cause. I want to break through in my youth group. You're a cause. Yeah. I want our city to be turned upside down. Be a cause. Be a cause. Hey, I'm not going to accept the mentality that the church is going to go limping through the pearly gates. We are more than conquerors. I know he said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, that in the last days perilous times will come. But in the same Bible, he said, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. It's time to move from survival to revival. David told his armor bearer, let's go up. Let's go after those Philistines. And this is what the armor bearer said. Do all that is in thine heart. Turn thee. Go whichever direction you want, Jonathan. He said, behold, I am with thee. I am with thee according to thy heart. Hey, young people, dive in with your pastor, heart and soul. How about let's turn it around? How about let's go home and shock our pastor? How about we make his jaw hit the floor instead of him trying to drag us uh, into doing something? How about him running behind us uh, with his tongue hanging out, trying to keep up with what we're doing, trying to keep up with what's going on? I'm looking for thermostats tonight. I'm looking for people to understand tonight. You're a cause. You're a cause. You're a cause. I'm not looking for the answer. We are the answer. I'm not asking for a prayer meeting. I am the prayer meeting. I'm not looking for a new soul winning program. I am the program. I'm not looking for a high school Bible study. I am the Bible study. I am the bus ride. I am the answer to the pastor's plea for soul winners. I am the answer to the pastor's plea for those that are going to break through and make something happen. Now, I close with this. He said, for this, cause, for this end was I born, for this cause came I into the world. In Mark chapter 5, the demoniac had been delivered. And he wanted to go with Jesus. But Jesus said, no, 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 we're not going to do that. But what did he say? He said, go home go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord has done for you. He said, go home. Go home. Let me tell you something. The test isn't here right now tonight. The test is when we're at home and everybody's lost that, that legacy edge. All the other young people have lost that spirit that we picked up here we've had for the last four nights. Everybody's just kind of lethargic again and apathetic again. But that's when you stand up and say, all right, I'm a thermostat. I'm going to change the climate. I'm going to be a cause. Hallelujah. Come on. Right now, some of us are waiting. Boy, I hope the singers, I hope the singers get that altar call going. Uh-uh. Why don't you cause the altar call to happen? Come on. I hope that preacher says that just right little turn of words. It gets that altar call going. No, I'm putting it on you, young people. Why don't you get this altar call going? Why don't you make something happen right now? I want you, young ladies. I want you, young men, to get a revelation. I am a cause. I am a cause. I am a cause. Come on, let's seek the Lord right now. While they sing, I want us to seek the Lord. I want you to let God talk to you. I want you to let God 
God, stir your heart up and stir your spirit up and say, okay, God, I'm changing tonight. God, I'm going to make something happen. God, I'm going to make something happen. I'm not going to sit around waiting for somebody to do something. I'm not going to sit around talking about why is it something Oh! 